Good morning. Good to have you with us this morning. I love October. I got the memo, so um, I'm going to be cooking uh, chowder uh, this next Saturday, a big kettle of it, and it's going to be starting off the day around 36 degrees. Ooh, yeah. Have some soup. Good to be with you. Uh, my name's Tim, and if it's your first time here, thank you for coming. I hope you enjoy yourself and also learn something as we're together. One of the reasons we meet together on Sundays is not only to remember Jesus, but to learn something and to grow from something from God's Word. And right now we're in the middle of a series called Decisions, Decisions, and you're noticing all these doors up here. Doors, different colors, different sizes. Uh, doors are like, they kind of beckon us to go, wonder what's on the other side of this thing. And and a lot of times we have uh, these doors of opportunity, or as I would say, doors of decisions that we face all the time. You think about it, we make thousands of decisions every day. And uh, because of that, um, we might say, well, some of them I don't even think about. Oh, they're trivial, they don't matter. Well, I'll tell you what, even some of the small ones can matter. They can change your life. Years, years ago, I was in high school, and me and Bill Thomason, I was best friends with Bill, and we decided to go to the county fair. And so we went to our local Edwards County Fair, and over there by the Rocco Plains, I saw Denise for the first time and met her. And I walked up to her and said those words that I know captured her heart. I simply said, hey, Bamamba, what be you bedoobin? Because <laughs> Fat Albert was a big thing then, and... And she laughed. I knew I had her. But, you know, I had no idea that that little decision, hey, Bill, why don't we go to the fair? Uh, okay, would make that big an impact on my life. And so you never know. It seems like, again, almost every decision you make, some of the small ones really matter. And it's great that God gives you and I the freedom to choose. He really does let you choose. It's your greatest power that you possess the freedom to choose. But he also, with it, gives you a big responsibility to choose well. Look at this passage we saw last week. I want us to see it again here in Ephesians 5. You can follow along on your notes if you like there in your bulletin. Right out of the Bible to the the church at Ephesus, here's what uh, Paul writes. He says, don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. Wow, it's careless, it's foolish to live outside of the will of God when you stop and think about it. It's the dumbest thing you can do. And here Paul tells the church here, man, you really think, you need to think this through. Don't be careless, don't be thoughtless. Choose what God wants. Find out what God wants and you can find out what God wants. I know there's lots of different things out here right now that's grabbing our, trying to grab our attention and get get into our thoughts and our decision-making process, one of the things that wants to get in there and dominate is God's will. God wants you to know His will, and He guarantees you, if you'll seek His will, you will find His will for your life. I'm glad it's that way. He doesn't hide it, uh, everything from us. Yeah, there's some things He does hide from us. It'd be too hard for us to understand. Our heads would explode. But most of the stuff, most of His will... He lets us know about, and it's good for us. Now, one of the things I notice is, uh, when I start reading uh, about Jesus, is 
He always made great decisions. You know, I wish I could be like that, huh? Always make a good decision. Maybe, you know, what to eat, what to wear, where to be, how to spend your time. I mean, Jesus always made super decisions. And But I noticed something about Jesus is that he, not only when he made these great decisions, he always did it consulting his father. Look at this passage here in John 5. Now, he's talking about his judgment. He's going to judge. He's going to judge the living and the dead. That day's coming. A judgment is a decision. Jesus is going to make some decisions on judgment day. Decisions about you. And look what he says, though. I do nothing without consulting the father. I judge. In other words, he decides as I'm told. And my judgment, in other words, his decision, he says, there is absolutely just because it is according to the will of God. You want to make great choices? You want to make great decision? Align it with the will of God. And you'll be like Christ. And you'll always make great choices. He says, he goes, it's according to the will of God who sent me. It is not merely my own. I would love to make choices and decisions like that and do it well. How does that happen? It happens when I align what I'm trying, what's before me with the will of God. And maybe this has happened to you before. Uh, you've been at a party and at the party, it's, you know, you've got to go. <laughs> and so you, the house is unfamiliar to you. So what do you do? You find someone, hey, could you tell me where the bathroom is? And you might get this answer. Oh, yeah, sure. You go down the hall and it's the second door on the right. And you go down the hall and you see closet doors, bedroom doors. But you know which door to go through because someone who knows which door to go through just told you. And if whatever you're meeting and you're trying to figure out what to do in life, because we face lots of choices, lots of doors in life, it's important sometimes we, we just need some guidance. And why not consult the one who knows what's behind every door? Hmm? Wouldn't that be much easier? Of course it would be. Sometimes I need a little guidance. And that's what I want to talk about today and in and, and the next few weeks. Some tools and some ways we can figure out what the will of God is and make better choices. Now, today I want to talk about this. I want to talk about the kind of choices we're going to make. You guys okay over there? Hey, I thought I heard something. I was... To make better choices, it's, it requires looking into the Word of God. Look at the Bible says here in Psalms 119, up here on the screen. Your Word is a lamp that guides my steps, a light that shows the path I should take. David says, your Word is like a flashlight. It lights the way, but it also shows me which path I should take along, which how I should choose. Here Paul says this to a young fellow named Timothy. He says, all scripture is inspired by God and it's useful. And circle that word useful. It's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong with our lives. It straightens us out. In other words, it corrects our way. And it teaches us to do what is right. It is God's way of preparing us for every way. Fully equipped for every good thing God wants us to do. I want to know what God wants me to do. I'd like to know what his will is. I'm facing a choice here. I'm trying to figure out who I should marry or I'm trying to figure out how I should spend my money or how I should uh, manage my time. 
You know, the Bible doesn't have a particular, maybe a particular verse here or there. Well, does the Bible talk about this at all? And yes, it does. I, all I have to do is look and see, and I can be equipped to make the best decision. So today I want to, again, just talk about four habits that I believe, four habits I use, and four habits I'd like to encourage you to try that help you find God's will and His Word. Number one, habit number one, the habit of preparing. If you want to know what God wants, and you want to know His will, you have to do some preparation. Jesus said it this way, whenever His Word was preached, He'd say, so pay attention to how you listen. It's interesting. He's telling his audience, he's telling his people, you need to pay attention how you listen. You good listener? My wife will will remind me every once in a while, I don't think you heard me. Okay. You know, uh, she's having trouble with one of her ears. She can't hear as well. And so she's reading all about hearing. And she says, Tim, you need to, you need to, Get your hearing checked. What? You, I've been reading. Oh, here we go. I've been reading. Listen, you need to get your hearing checked. I said, why? Because they say as you get older, the dialogue in marriages is more centered around a couple of words. What are they? Hmm? And what? And I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, you need to listen. You to, go get your hearing checked because sometimes I don't think you hear me. <laughs> yeah, that's what the problem is. I just don't. Gotcha. She says, I quit talking. I quit talking when you walk out of the room. That's interesting. I said, note to self. I walk out of the room while she's talking. I start thinking. I said, Denise, that, that, she said this to me last night. She said this to me last night. We're on the phone. She goes, you know, you walk out of the room while I'm talking to you. I do that? Yeah. Wow. That's not very encouraging. So I said to her, she goes, no, it's not. It's rude. And Jesus says, pay attention to how you listen. You need to monitor, prepare yourself to listen and hear me, is what he's saying here. And that's the first habit I need to establish. If I'm going to know the will of God, is that I get my heart ready and my mind ready to listen for his voice. Now, why is that so important? Well, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. The reason this is so important is because we get our heads full of stuff and the condition, listen, the condition of your heart, the condition of our minds have a tremendous impact on how we hear, process, retain, and accept what the Bible says. Look at the Bible says here, James again. He says, so get rid of every evil in your lives. Now, I know we think of evil since it's Halloween. We think of the wicked witch of the West or something. You know, evil, evil, you know. The word really means, it's the word kakos is the Greek word. It means bad, bad stuff. So get rid of everything that's bad in your lives, every kind of wrong you do. And look what he says, be humble and accept God's teaching that is planted in your hearts. This teaching can save you. Wow. See, I noticed something here. My mind and my my heart can get so full of things and so full of thoughts and so full of attitudes, I can't, I don't notice things the Bible says. I don't hear what God has to say. I can't process what he says. 
And I can't accept what he says till I get rid of those things. And James says, you need to, you need to get rid of those things. You ever said this? I got so much on my mind, I just can't, I can't, I can't stand it. I can't think straight. I, I have that problem. I get so many thoughts in my head, my mind's always working. I don't think I'm the only person here that's doing that. You're thinking about something right now, you're not listening, I get it. Sometimes I, hey, sometimes I think with, I start talking without thinking. That's dangerous too, okay. So, you know, we, we do, we get our mind full of stuff, our hearts full of stuff. We get, we get uh, anxiety, worries, fears, pride, stubbornness, anger, bitterness. These things get in our minds and our hearts. How in the world has God ever heard with all these voices and all this stuff going in our brain? Yeah, I get it. You ever wake up and you, you I used to wake up and I would have five seconds of clarity. And then the voices. You say, Tim, you're nuts. I'm not talking about voice. I'm just talking about all the thoughts of the day, all the worries, all the plans, all the concerns I have. And that's what happens. We have all these things in our heart. Like I say, stubbornness and pride. How can we hear what God has to say when we think we've got it? I don't need any of this. I'm okay. And we are stubborn. Or we're afraid of what we might hear. I know I've, I've met people before that are afraid to understand what the Bible says. Oh, we get the Bible out. Oh, no, not that. Why? Because they're afraid of what it might say. And what? how's it go? What you don't know won't hurt you. Want to bet? Yeah. Or we have these biases, traditional stuff we've been taught as children or from our families or from our culture. And we bring them into the reasoning and the thinking and James says, you got to get all that out of the way. Just clear that out of your head so that the word can get in there. And notice he says, and how do you do that? He says, with humility. With humility. You want to break all those voices and the thoughts? Just humble yourself. Humility seems to be the answer. It clears our minds. It clears our hearts. See, humility, listen to this, humility decides before you even hear from God, you're going to listen. Maybe this has happened to you, maybe not. You ever remember in school, there was always that, it seemed to be the teacher's pet, the best student. Maybe you were that person. You know why you were that person? Because you came in to learn. And the rest of us, well, we were just jealous of you. (laughs) Like, oh, brother, look at that. Suck it up to the teacher. Actually, usually those that sucked up to the teacher were the smartest ones in the class. Why? Because they were humble. They said, I'm here to learn. I'm here to learn. So it's this preparing. I think it's interesting, this word accept here. If you look at that word accept in James, it's a, it's comes from a Greek word, uh, dekami or dekami. And it means to welcome someone who's a stranger in your home. In other words, you really don't know much about them, but you're welcoming them. And maybe there's things like that with the Word of God. I don't know really what the Bible has to say. don't completely understand it, but I'm going to welcome it and accept it anyway. And that takes humility. It takes humility. Look at this other passage here on your notes. It says, tell me, this is David. This is King David, powerful King David. powerful, confident. He's whooped giants. This guy, if anybody has a reason to have the big head, here is the guy. 
And look what he says. He says this in Psalms 143. Look at the humility. Oh, tell me in the morning about your love. I trust you. It takes humility to trust the Lord. It takes humility to trust people, to open up to them. He says, show me what I should do because my prayers go up to you. He goes, I'm asking. I'm asking for your help. I'm asking for your guidance, Lord. What humility. So it starts there, preparing myself. You got something in the way that's keeping God from being heard? Oh, I got all this stuff to do. Get rid of it. Just set it aside. Oh, I got this. I, I've been hurt. And everything that I now read in the Bible, I'm just hurt. Well, could I ask you just to set it aside a minute? Maybe ask somebody to help you find the healing in that hurt. Maybe it's stubbornness. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's worry. Maybe it's fear. Whatever it is, to get rid of it, set it aside and and just just humiliate or humble yourself for the Lord. Say, Lord, I need your help. That's a great way to start if you want to see the will of God in the word of God. Here's the second habit, and that's the habit of collecting. Look at the Bible says here. Being excited about something's not enough. You must also know what you're doing. Don't rush into something or you might do it wrong. You ever had that happen? You made a quick decision only to later go, what was I thinking? I, w- I didn't think this through. I didn't, I bought a lemon. The house is a mess. I woke up next to you. What was I thinking? See, good decisions, good decisions are always on the heels of research. Of research. Collecting. I love collecting things. I'll collect anything. I collect beer cans, Indian beads, nails, bolts. I've collected, uh, I'm not, I'm too embarrassed to tell you all this. <laughs> I've collected so many things. And when it comes to scriptures, I'll look at every verse. I looked at every verse in the Bible in about eight different translations this week about the word inquire, ask, will. Oh my. Just trying to find every verse I could find in every different translation, just looking for that scripture. And I thought this was really, that's what you do if you're, if you put together a sermon. You start by collecting. Well, when it comes to the will of God, you start with collecting as well. Or you, you, that's one of the steps. You start thinking about, okay, What's the Bible really say? Is this all it says? It may say a lot more. We're so fortunate to live in an age where information is at our fingertips. I remember my mother giving me a book to start my library, and it was Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. You guys know, anybody know about that one? There's the cousin, yeah, the, the cousin of that book is Knave's Exhaustive why is it called exhaustive? Because you are exhausted when you go through this book. It's about two inches thick, and it's about that tall, and about this wide, and you could kill a Doberman if you wanted to with a boom, and it's over. It's a big, heavy thing. I carry it around all the time. Every word in the Bible is listed, and every verse. You mean the word and, and or, pages, every verse where the word or is. If you like collecting, knock yourself out. The, oh, the, be, the most popular, A. 
Oh my goodness, pages and pages. I don't need to know this. I, I remember I started there. Now I have a, I have a wall of four shelves that cover the whole wall of my house in my basement of my library. From that book, this library began. Have you read all those books? No, I have not. I've read the titles. And you know, I hardly use them anymore because I found a new place called the Internet. Thank you, Al Gore. You know, I can't believe all the stuff you can find. Now, yeah, there's a lot of silly stuff, but there's some good stuff on the Internet. You know, if, if you want to know about, well, I'm thinking about uh, buying something. Well, let's see. There's Yelp. There's, Yelp, there's uh, Car Gurus. There's Carfax. There's uh, Zillow. Uh, you can read Consumer Reports on the best product there is. Expedia, there's, you can read consumer reviews, whether they're paid or not. You can read consumer reviews of all this, of this product and why they don't recommend it, why they do recommend it. I, I, somebody sent me a, a, a meme, uh, a few months ago. It shows this big pyramid and it's the different levels of different colors and the base it says high school education. Then the next college education. Then master's degree as it goes up different master's degree and then it's doctorate it's almost and at the very top one little red capstone it has a little says people who watch youtube to fix their cars (laughs) that's me we're so smart now we don't have to be stupid anymore how many times have you oh maybe even in a sermon or in a conversation Somebody will say, well, you know, inflation or, or they make some statement. You go, hold on a minute, Google. And you know, when you made that statement and they say Google, they're going to Google it, you're in trouble. We live in an information just age that's just incredible. There's no excuse. And, and, if, and it comes to the Bible. You can go to the Bible Gateway or you can go to studylight.org or you can get your own little Little program yourself a logos or a quick verse and you can look up every verse. You can collect all everything God says and words that relate to a particular topic. And it is helpful when you collect. It needs to be a habit of collecting. Hey, look, if you're good at holding grudges and collecting them, you're good at finding scriptures. Amen. Some of you can remember every batting average of every person, but you can't remember one scripture? Really? Maybe you ought to work on this. Look at this in Proverbs 2. Solomon says this, If you want better insight and discernment, learn the importance of reverence for the Lord and of trusting Him. His every word is a treasure of knowledge and understanding. He shows how to distinguish right from wrong, how to find the right decision every time. You want to know the will of God in your life? Do your homework. I will say that again. If you want to know the will of God, do your own homework. I, I don't know how many people will say to me, Hey, Tim, what's the Bible say? And by the way, I will do my best to answer your question. I'm not saying don't ask me. Let's preface this. But they'll say, Hey, Tim, blah, blah, what do you think? Blah, blah, about this. And I go, Well, the Bible says this and this and this and this. And it recommends this and this and this. And they look at me and go, I don't agree. I do all the research. Show them. Some of you here this morning. 
you're hearing a sermon. I don't believe that. Why don't you research it then? The, the Bereans did. They checked. They researched everything the Apostle Paul said to see if it was true. On their own. On their own. And if I want to know the will of God, it, it means I, start, I have to start collecting. What does God say about this? Does God say anything about this topic? Does God say anything about this choice I'm about to make? Because I want to make the right decision every time. Look at Jesus said this. He said this often to religious people. He said this to religious people. Haven't you read the scriptures? What's he saying? Have, have you read it? They'd ask him, they'd say, what about this? What about that? Well, have you read the scripture? The first thing Jesus recommended, you want to know the will of God? Have you read it? I want to know what God wants. Well, did you read the scripture? I'm going to ask a question, church. Do you think he'd ask you that? Have you read it? I'm about to make a decision. Oh, God, I really need you to help me. And I'm not trying to make fun of us here, but it's, I do it too. Oh, God, would you please help me? I need, I don't know which way to do. I don't know where to go to college. I don't know where to live. I don't know which job I should take. Would you help? Have you read the scripture? Shut up. Listen to me. <laughs> Just give me an answer. That small, still voice. Have you read the scriptures? No, I can't help you. And besides, if you heard a small, still voice, how would you know it was true unless you read the scriptures? Look at this other verse. Jesus, this is found 70 times in the Bible. It is written. It is written. Jesus would quote this almost half the time. It is written. It is written to make a point. You know, it's written. Why is it written? It's written to read it. Simple as that. It's written for me to read. If I want to know the will of God, it starts with the Bible. It starts by simply reading the Bible. Nathan said this to me. I wrote it down this week. He said, Dad, he goes, I'm running into campus students that have grown up in Christian homes and churches that are not familiar with the Bible. And many of them have grown up here. Joshua in the Old Testament is about to start something. He's about, Moses has died. And now Joshua is about to lead. He's about to start doing some things, taking Israel in another, in a, in further down the road. He's about to start, starts things up again. How's that? Get, you're getting the hint? Starting some stuff up again in the kingdom. No COVID. He wasn't following COVID. He was following wandering in the desert for 40 years. Or whining over two years of COVID. Imagine 40 years of COVID. And it's a, things are about to start up. Things are about to gear up. And here's what God says to Joshua. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then... Will you prosper and succeed in all you do? I'm coming to a door. I'm coming to a, a new opportunity in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm about to go, I'm about to go to college somewhere. Or I've met somebody and I'm getting, we're getting serious. 
Or I just got this job and I mean, I got a raise and I'm thinking, you know, what do I do with the finances that God has blessed me with? Or I have this time. I have this time. Or when's the right, well, I want to have children. When's the right time to have children? Is, is God way in on any of this? Ah, uh, you're about to start something. God recommends read the book continually. Get in that book continually. Keep day and night. Keep at it. Keep at it. Why? Because then you'll, you'll, you'll be sure to obey what's written. And you'll, you'll prosper and you'll succeed. When's the last time you picked up a math book? I asked my brother that this week. When's the last time you picked up a math book? He goes, huh? I said, you need to get a hearing test. I think maybe there's some problem here. I said, no. I said, I said, when's the last time you picked up a, a, a math book? He goes, Tim, I haven't picked up a math book since high school. I said, what about biology? When's the last time you picked up a science book, a biology book? Started reading bi- Tim, I don't, what are you talking about? I said, why don't you? Why don't you have a math book in your home and a biology book or a science book? He goes, I got, I know enough. You know enough? Yeah. I, I, I'm the same way. I don't, I don't read my math book. I don't have a quiet time in my math book. Oh, I better get to algebra chapter three. Oh my, the Pagorean theorem. I'm in trouble. (laughs) No, I, I'm just saying, think about this. The Bible. When's the last time I really picked it up? Really picked it up. And looked at it. Read it. Prayed over it. Because this book, it determines so much. See, I'm glad, listen, I am glad that doctors and nurses keep reading. You know why. Because if I walked into the dentist office, for example, and Danny Younger goes, okay, Tim, we're going to do some fillings today. Okay. And he gets out this big mallet. What's that? That's my anesthesia. Didn't that go out back in the 1800s? Not around here. Pop! No, I'm so glad he's read up and he, uh, uh, is it my, is it my imagination or do doctors and nurses have to brush up on their Shakespeare, so to speak, and, and, and certify it every once in a while? Even teachers have to do that. Am I right about that? They have to, they have to keep up with the time. Otherwise they get behind. I'm so glad that my doctor keeps reading, is still reading the latest information, the latest research. Why? Because they're better doctors. Well, what about a believer? If I'm in the book, will I be a better believer, a better Christian? Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know if God's concerned about how high I count, but I know he's concerned about how much I see his will, how far I reach by faith. And that comes, see, from reading I wrote, I wrote this down. I make, I'm just admitting something to you today. I think of all the dumb decisions I've made. I make lousy decisions when my Bible is dusty. <laughs> I do. I make a god awful decisions. And you know, until I read, God really can't lead. Until I begin to read what He has to say. 
Now, I've asked my mother. She's in the back row. She's the oldest person here. She's 90. Anybody above 90? I want to make sure. She's the oldest, crustiest person here. <laughs> now, I give her a hard time. My mom's 90 years old. She's been she's read her Bible last 22 years through every year, last 22 years. And she's going to talk to you a little bit about what she's learned about reading her Bible at 90. What do you got, Mom? Good morning. My name is Rudel Gil Martinez. I'm 90 years old and have been a Christian since I was 12, although there have been periods during those years that I did not live as a Christian should. So beginning in the year 2000, I began reading the Bible all the way through every year. I am now on my 22nd reading. You would think I would qualify as an expert. Absolutely not. Each year I find something new. The Bible speaks to me depending on what is going on in my life at the time. People have a tendency to think that old people are no longer tempted, that we have it all together. Temptations may be different at 20 than at 80 or 90. But believe me, the devil always finds your weakness, regardless of age. Despite all my studies slash knowledge, I still sometimes make poor choices. That's why I need to stay in the Word. I need constant reminders of what is right and wrong. I have found that it helps to use fresh ways of looking at Scripture. I recommend StudyLight.com for you computer users. You can look up any piece of Scripture and find several commentaries on it. Also, I strongly recommend a daily devotional called Jesus Calling. It is written as if Jesus himself is speaking to you. I believe it is available in the church library. There are two books that have deeply impacted and strengthened my faith, and I believe should be required reading for Christians and non-Christians alike. And that's Josh McDowell's Evidence That Demands a Verdict and The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. No matter our age or circumstances, we are constantly faced with choices. I believe the most important of these are life choices. Number one, choose Jesus Christ. Number two, choose to stay in the Word. Number three, choose to surround yourself with other believers. Doing that makes all other choices better and easier. So the first habit is, let's see, preparing. The second habit is collecting. The third habit is reflecting. Reflecting. Look at the Bible says here again. David says, I will study your commands and reflect on your ways. Reflection is a very effective practice in decision making. Because reflection is that conscious effort to focus on what God says more than once. Because let's face it. We don't really get it the first time round or the second and sometimes the third. We need to, we need to go over it again and again and again. When I was a kid, we used to, after the corn picker would go through the cornfield, dad would set us out and we would pick any of the corn that was left in the field that they call that gleaning. And so by hand, we would walk through these acres, 30, 40 acre fields and we would walk down the rows and we'd find an ear every once in a while. One time, in just a 30-acre field, we found a whole wagon load of corn. And we thought, wow, we got it all. My dad walks out, kicks around, and goes, you missed one. You missed another. You missed another. I, f- I found out that you could go over to field 
probably several times and still find something. That's what reflecting is. It's going over the word of God again and again and again. And by doing that, God then is able to reveal. I get past some of the stuff, the obvious things. I might discover, and many times I do, a spiritual truth or an eternal truth or a principle. Or I, all of a sudden I, I happen to notice the context of something, what, what it, who's being said and what, what position they're in or what's going on at the time. And it helps me make up my mind when I come to a door that deserves a decision, a good one. Reflection clarifies the path. It's thinking about it over and over. Putting, looking at it from different points of view and different angles and, and I discover so much more each time. I agree with my mother. I've read the Bible. I've, there's a particular passage I read every time I've read it and I've read it, I've lost count. I always find, I go, wow, I didn't even see that. How did I miss that? It's almost like my heavenly father's going, you missed that, Tim. You missed that, Tim. Hey, there's another one. Make sure you get that. I want you, I want you to find that. Look at the Bible says here in Psalms 119.99. I understand more than all my teachers because I meditate on your instructions. David says, I have more insight than the people who initially taught me now because on my own, I've meditated on my own now. They don't have to tell me to get in there. They don't have to tell me to think about it. I'm thinking about it and I'm catching stuff they've missed. That's the power of the habit of reflection. And the last habit, the last habit is the habit of applying. There are just some things you just don't figure out until you try it. You don't understand it. I don't understand it until I've actually tried it. I'll read an instruction manual on how to fix something, like I put a camshaft in my truck and I read the procedure. But then I get a guy on YouTube that actually shows me what those words meant with action. And I went, oh, now I get it. Now I understand it. Sometimes it's application that helps me understand the information. James says it this way, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. There's something I notice here. That reading the Bible can be foolish and dangerous. I'll say it again. When you read the Bible, it can be foolish and it can be dangerous. How? If you don't apply it. If you don't have application, it can be dangerous for your life. Wise and foolish builder, Jesus taught about, talked about two guys that heard the word of God, but one applied it and he succeeded. The one who didn't apply it, got crushed. And you might say, sometimes, Tim, I've read my Bible and it still doesn't work. Well, you better look at your application, folks. Look at, am I applying the scripture? Because it promises to bring you prosperity and success and help. doesn't mean everything works out to the right. I'm not saying that. I'm simply saying is it makes more sense. You make better choices. They'll bless your life. You see, information without application leads to destruction. That's what we learn. That's what we learn from the wise and foolish builders. And so it's important that I, that I put it into practice. See, I know people and you know people that know their Bibles. They know, they've listened to preaching. They've, they've known their Bibles for years. But they don't apply it. And they're haughty, puffed up, 
harsh? Am I close? Yeah, they're, they're know-it-alls. And because they don't apply it, they're actually more dangerous. And I want to say to all of you that are members here at Greater Alton, you aren't doing us any favors by just hearing the Word of God and not doing it. You're making, you're making us, the rest of us, look bad, to be quite honest. You're hurting the kingdom of God when you just listen and listen and listen or read and, oh, that's a great nuance and it's a nice little tidbit for some trivia night. No, it's made to apply. And I'll tell you, the church, listen guys, our church, the health of our church is all going to be dependent on a lot of this when it comes to application. Will I apply the word of God? I'll tell you what, we become a dangerous church in the, in the, in the world of darkness when we're all getting serious about application. Look at the Bible says here in John 13, 17. Jesus said this, Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. If I'll do what God says, I, I'm blessed by it. It's an up. It's a good thing. It's a positive thing. It has a positive impact on my life. I read a small book years ago called 52 Ways to Save a Buck. If you ever get find that book, I, it's out of print, but it, grab that book. It's real thin, easy to read. The font is real big. It's the best book there is, man. You know, and it's 52 ways to save a buck. And, I, and I'm reading all these ways. And one of them was two that I remember that really, really made a big impact on my life. And this one here, I couldn't believe it. It says, if you want to save a buck, ask, is that the best you can do? Anybody ever ask that? Is that the best you can do? I thought, no way that's going to work. So I got every buddy that I did business with at C&W Autoglass. And I listed it out. Electric company, water company, phone company, everybody, glass suppliers. I had several, probably 30, 40. And I go right down the line. I call the water company. Hey, listen, this is Tim for CW. Oh, what can I do for you, Tim? Well, I want to know something. I got my bill. Is that the best you could do? He busted out laughing. We're the water company. Yeah, I know. And I get a lot of water. I mean, I waste a lot of water. I'd like to know. Is that the best you could do? Yes, Tim, that's the best I can do. Click. I call the electric company, get the same answer. This isn't working. 52 ways to save a buck is not really that. I'm not, I'm not impressed. I go to McDonald's, I kid you not, in the drive-thru. I like to have a Big Mac, fries, soda. That's back when I was eating Big Macs. And they said, okay, that'll be blah, 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 blah. You know, today it takes a car loan, but then it was easy. And, and, I, and I, I, uh, I said, is that the best you could do? And it, I beg your pardon? Well, I bought a lot of Big Macs. When it says billions and billions of served, I know at least a million of them are mine. I mean, I bought a lot of Big Macs, believe me. And I go, I'm sorry, sir, but that's the best we can do. So the electric company, the water company, and McDonald's have been the only three in that list that said to me, that's the best we can do. I asked my glass supplier, is that the best you can do? Hold on. Yeah, we can, we'll lower that a couple of points. A couple of percentage points? Yeah. I talked to my, all my dealerships. I said, I buy parts. The best you can do. Well, how about 5% more? Well, that's great. I go through everybody. My phone company. Hold on. Yeah, we can do that a little better. I kid you not, church. I saved a little over $900 a month by asking that question. 
All of a sudden, 52 ways to save a buck, I recommend. <laughs> you see, um, you have to give it a try if you want to understand why. And that's what I decided to do. I'm going to give it a try. And I understood why they said it would save a buck. I couldn't believe the money I was saving. The same is true with the Word of God. I'm skeptical of it. I don't see how that's going to work. We'll give it a try, and you'll understand why. So let me ask you as we close this morning, what's a door you're facing right now? It's a decision that you're facing right now. You're going, I don't know which way to go. Uh, Last week, if you haven't listened to that lesson last week, I encourage you to listen to it because sometimes God may give you more than one choice. But let's say you're facing a decision that's very tough. I don't know what to do. Maybe it's something to do with money or your time or a relationship or a career or church. Where you're going to go? We've all been there. What are you planning to do? You've got this decision. What's your plan? Will you consider making a decision before you make your decision? Just consider something that you decide to open up your heart, open up your mind, and open up your Bible. And just look into scriptures. Start there. Next week, Gary's going to be talking about prayer. He's going to be talking about how prayer helps us choose wisely. I mean, before you open a door and go through it, open the Word of God and see what God has to say. Does God say anything at all? Is there a Bible story? Is there a principle that I'm missing? I just want to, I want to please God. I, I want to ask you to decide some things this morning. Decide to open your Bible and open your heart with humility as you look into it. Take some time. Decide to take time to reflect. It isn't good to have zeal without knowledge and be hasty and make a mistake. But think it through. Take some time. I'm going to ask you to decide to do your own research. It's okay to ask somebody else that knows. I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with that. We're going to be looking at seeking advice in a couple of weeks. There's, there's a purpose for that. That's why God put us all together. You know, two heads are better than one. What's a hundred heads? Confusing? It can be even better. The right people. The right people. But but take some time and, and, and decide to research and decide to open your heart and your ears and listen for the Holy Spirit to prompt you in a certain direction. I mean, will you will you seriously try this during this series? Just try it. And see if God doesn't help you make better decisions. One last thing, and that's there's a decision I'd like for you all to make this morning, and that's move in a little closer to Jesus. Look at these two passages as we close. He who belongs to God hears what God says. You know, my wife, I said earlier, said, you know, Tim, you know, I quit talking when you leave the room because I don't think you can hear me when we're not in the same room. It's hard to hear Jesus when you're not in the same room with Him. And when you become a Christian, 
You get in the same room, you get close to Jesus, you're going to hear much clearer what he wants in your life. That's one thing. Is maybe maybe you're you're like I don't should I follow Christ? Should I devote my life? Should I surrender to Jesus? Should I become a Christian? I want to encourage you to do this. Research, look into the Word. Even let somebody study the Bible with you. I think if there's something on our card that says I, I, I would like a Bible study, and let them sit down with you and study with you. So you know that you're in the same room, so you can hear Jesus. For the rest of us who've been Christians, maybe you've gotten out of the room and you're somewhere in the basement somewhere. <laughs> you can't hear a thing he's saying. The TV you can hear. CNN you can hear. Fox you can hear. Politicians you can hear. Friends you can hear. And they're drowning out the voice of Jesus because you're not near. Why not say, I'm going to get closer to Jesus here. I'm going to move in a little closer. He says here, draw near to the Lord and He will draw near to you. And when you're close enough, you'll hear Him just fine. What are you going to do today? Hope you'll decide something from these passages. Hope it's been helpful. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this morning and thank You for Your Word. Boy, it's powerful. I just love Your Word, Father. And we love Your Word as well. We ask, Father, that You help us to develop the habits that we can use as we're facing a choice in front of us right now. Help us develop this habit of preparing. Help us be unafraid. Just trust you openly. Let you talk to us. Father, we pray we'll start developing this habit of really looking and researching ourselves. We know better decisions are on the heels of better research. And Father, we pray that you'll give us curious minds wise minds. Help us see things in Your Word as we reflect, as we work on this habit of reflection. And Father, uh, most of all, let us apply. I know there's some things, Father. We know there's some things that we just don't get until we get busy with it. So we pray, Father, for that habit to have the courage and the faith to take a step out on faith and apply what You say. Father, thank you for everyone here. Bless their lives, Father, with clarity as they seek to know what you want as they face their decisions. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.